Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I hate traditional Christmas colours. This is Emsolation. And if we are both ever both nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars and then I win, <laughs> you will stand in the audience and scream, oh. He doesn't! He doesn't have, have kids. Kids. Oh, I don't necessarily want a macrame vagina life-size hanging on my wall. You're in Emsolation. Dildos and dead people. Hello, darlings. I'm going to keep this really short because this is a long episode. <laughs> I'm away on holidays. Do I sound relaxed? We're down the beach on the Mornington Peninsula in Melbourne. It's glorious. And I have some really exciting news. And I'm telling you because when the tickets go on sale, the show will be on break and I want you to know what's coming. I'm going to be doing a one-off very special live show in Melbourne in March. I can't give you any more information than that. Tickets are going to go on sale in January. I can't give you any more information than that. I genuinely don't have it. Not yet. But I do know it's happening. It's at a very exciting venue, one I've never played before. The tickets will go quickly. You know what happens. There is only one show. So I just wanted to forewarn you guys because you know my loyalties are with the Emsolation listeners. You know that. But we're going to have January off. So I wanted to tell you today. So it's lifted my spirits. I can't tell you. It's like it's put bubbles back in my blood knowing that there's a date where I'm going to be getting on stage with my band and my dad and in a nice dress and singing some songs and telling some stories. It'll get announced. So if you're following me on social media, just keep your eyes peeled around January. Look, I'm forewarning you. I watched Prom on Netflix and I had a lot of strong emotions, a lot, specifically around James Corden's performance. You know I love Broadway. You know I love camp. And this went for 40 minutes. The review is half of that. I'm so sorry. I lost my mind. We also talk about Taylor Swift's new album and also Delta Goodrum's Christmas special. That's all I'm going to say to you now. It's our second last show for the year, so savour it. Lap it up. And, um, you know, we haven't missed a week. We've been with you thick and thin since we were in lockdown. We kept going. So we are going to have um, all of January off and return to your ears nestled there, first week of Feb. Um, but, yeah, the last show will be Thursday, so I won't get emotional now. Probably will get emotional on Thursday because this has just saved me, this podcast. So prepare yourself for a bit of a rant on prom. Um, but it'll be fine ultimately. <laughs> Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, I couldn't sleep. Um, <laughs> Michael Lucas, I. <laughs> Can I only mean pro- one thing? Some sort of professional anxiety or an incredibly camp Starfield musical has landed. Which one? Prom. Oh my gosh, check this out. It's all over Twitter. She wanted to take her girlfriend to the high school prom. And the PTA went apeshit and they cancelled it. We have got to go down there. Yes. Raise holy hell. We will be the biggest thing to happen in Indiana since whatever's happened in Indiana. We have come to this community on behalf of a young girl. I just want to dance with you. I'm sorry, who are you people? We are from Broadway. I just want to dance with you. We're not monsters. We're cultural disruptors. Yes, an incredible camp, Starfield musical, did land. And I had to, it took me two attempts to watch it. I first tried to watch it as it landed on Friday. Mm. But I was so discouraged by one of the main star's performances and I was hurling so much abuse at the television and I was 
on holidays and I just didn't want to ruin the weekend. <laughs> you remind me for some reason of Linda Hamilton in that bit in Terminator 2 when she suddenly goes crazy in the interrogation <laughs> and she was just kicking and screaming needs to be strapped down. Shall her and go, just get the gin, get it, turn off Netflix. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, uh, like your husband, the second I saw James Corden was billed above Nicole Kidman in prom, I lost my tiny mind. It was. He did have a bigger role, but she has an Oscar, for Christ's sake, an Oscar and an Emmy. She's on her way to an EGOT. (laughs) She is, rightfully or wrongfully. So. Let's take it back. The Prom is was a hugely successful, very short-run Broadway show. It only ran for a year. I don't think you can call it hugely successful. It was. I, I read a few reviews that sort of said something like, I hope this means more flop musicals get made into movies. It got nominated for seven Tonys in its first year. I would yeah. say that's hugely successful. Yes, all right. It didn't win any, but it no. got nominated for seven. People who went and saw it, it, it did divide audiences, but it was it's a fresh new musical, it's self-aware, and it, it's something that belongs on Broadway. It does. That that kind of, you know, commentary on New York liberals and, hmm. you know, white people in theatre and them trying to do good and all that stuff. So Ryan Murphy, who started, what, what have we got, Nip Tuck, Glee. Oh, God. What haven't we Ratchet. got? Ratchet. American Horror Story. Uh, what was the other one he just did recently? American Crime watched? Story, the one, the O.J. Simpson series he did, Sarah Paulson. He cast Sarah Paulson and everything. He cast Jessica Lang and everything. Feud. That was Feud. My, my favourites yep. are American Crime Story and Feud, Same. although I did love Glee at its peak in the day. I loved Glee until things started getting very problematic, um, but I Feud is up there with one of my all-time favourite TV shows. It'd be in my top ten. It's magnificent. So Netflix gave Ryan Murphy a shit ton of money and said, go and make stuff. And the herein lies the problem. Ryan Murphy has some kind of snarky issue with what is it, Bible Belt America? I just feel like he always goes after them. He always small town America. Mm. And he feels the need to be wholesome yet con- condemning them also. I don't know. It just feels like the main problem with prom was Ryan Murphy and his leading man, James Corden. These were the two big problems with prom that I had. Mm-hmm. He, to his credit, d- was born and bred in Indiana. So mm. he, at least he's not, at least he's going after something, you know, of which he knows very well. From the looks of it, it doesn't look like he traveled back there to film any of this because most of what you see in Indiana is either high school gyms or massive malls that look suspiciously like Californian malls. <laughs> yeah, and by all accounts, there are gay people in Indiana now. That's the first thing. Well, let's just briefly break down the synopsis of the movie. It's based on real-life events. Uh, a girl wanted to go to her prom with her girlfriend. The PTA intervened, cancelled the prom, um, did in fact hold an alternate prom, didn't tell her, like, uh, um, and, and then, it, but the, the part I don't know if it's true, did four theatre people didn't come to the town and put the prom on for her? That's not true, is it? Not to my knowledge. I must admit I haven't, <laughs> I, di- I didn't watch the film and think I must check the accuracy. Well, I did, I did. <laughs> but in the film version, in the stage version, four kind of down on their luck Broadway actors decide they need a cause to up their 
kind of credibility and, and prove their PR. And so they go to the small town and help her put on the prom of her dreams. And one thing that you have to you have to credit the original show with, as much as it might be taking the piss out of small town bigotry and everything like that, it also takes the piss out of the privileged white liberals that are coming to help and absolutely um, depicts how they're doing it for their own profile as much as anything. Yes. And there is a, a one moment of self-awareness I did snark loudly to, um, choked on my champagne because I had to drink to get through it, um, was when Nicole Kidman talked about she was annoyed because her character was a lifelong chorus girl and she, she said that she's sick of them bringing in, ringing A-list actresses that have no qualifications to take the lead roles. And I just <laughs> laughed. <laughs> I laughed. So that's the heart of the story. James Corden plays Barry who is openly gay but in real life, James Corden is heterosexual. That's correct. That was my first issue with the whole thing. My main issue, oh, my God, I'm so discombobulated about this and I thought I was clear, but I'm just really emotional. I think if we haven't, if it hasn't been established, on the face of it, this, this the collection of some of these stars in this premise is basically our wet dream. Like, I mean, there's if any yes. audience member is going to be receptive to it. It's us, which I Can think we it talk about it? Entire, oh my God. It intensifies our, our, um, our, the kind of scrutiny we would put this under. This film is an M. Rossiano, Michael Lucas wet dream. Yeah. Meryl Streep. Oh, and I'm just going to say Meryl delivered for me. Hard. Uh, you yeah. don't think? She, oh. Yeah, she was, she was good. She was good. I mean, I mean, it was a very kind of poor Patty Lapone. She's crying somewhere in her gin. I mean, that was... Well, Lauren cast her in uh, that Hollywood no, one. No, that was basically Patty Lapone, who Meryl was playing. I know, was because like there was that anecdote was about the phone going yes. off. Yes, I know. It was but mean. Meryl gets an early number. It's not about me, which for me was the funniest number. And <laughs> and I felt like she she rocked it. She I'm yeah. not normally a massive fan of Meryl singing on screen, but she <laughs> really ca- – I would say that most of the cast, for better or worse, that, they do commit. They really do. Nicole committed. Oh, God. So, yeah, the four, the four main out of the out-of-work actors are Andrew Rannells, who is amazing and actually has done Broadway, was the lead in Book of Mormon, was in Girls. He's incredible. He's one of my favourite actors. So mm. he's fine. He's there. Arguably should have played the James Corden role. James Corden is there. Um, Nicole Kidman is there. And Meryl Streep, of course. And they are the four Broadway people that come to the town to help save the lesbian prom. So – First of all, my issue is stop hiring unqualified A-listers because they mean that you can get your fucking movie funded. Because, yes, you'll get the money, but you will be savaged by critics. And if Hamilton proved anything, it's that the OG cast can win over the world, even though they're relatively unknown, unless you are a Broadway nerd – they can still give the performance of their life, be so overwhelmingly talented that everyone is won over, even though they're not fucking James Corden. <laughs> and I'm so sick. And the original prom cast, the roles were written for those actors. And when you go and look them up, and the, the girl who plays the lead, the, the lesbian, the, the lead girl, Emma. Yeah. She was a lovely actress. She looks a lot like Drew Barrymore, but she smiled the entire time. It was almost psychotic how much she smiled. And I and she had this strategically placed beanie and that feels like Ryan Murphy, that's how he thinks lesbians dress because as a gay, very, very camp gay man, he's not very aware of lesbian culture. But the way they dressed her, it was like... 
Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz all of a sudden decided that she was going to try some ladies. Oh, my. I really... (laughs) (laughs) Did you... I just say, I love your intensity of reaction. And can I also say, if they announce the screen version of Dear Evan Hansen, but it's not Ben Platt, James Corden's playing oh. the lead role, I'll just call an ambulance and send it round to your house. Because clearly, I, and I'll oh, ring your neighbours and warn, we need a clearance zone of at least two Ks around Emrosiano's house. <laughs> Things are going to get very violent. I'm honestly just expecting them to make Hamilton with James Corden in every fucking role. It'll just be a Hamilton one-man show starring James Corden. Why do they keep casting him? And 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 I, oh my god! Okay, so breathe. So first of all, my first gripe with prom is stop. I don't care. Um, put in people who can sing and dance, who have won Tonys. There is so many openly gay men who could have played the James Corden role. Billy Porter. He would have been one. Yeah, yeah. Titus. Um, I can't know. I'm just. I'm going to say Andromedan, but that's his name in Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Titus Burgess. Burgess. Yeah, like. Oh, and the ultimate, and, the person who spiritually it feels like it should be is Nathan Lane from Birdcage. Yes. Because he's so the same age as Meryl, and yeah, I mean, it's just if if it wasn't going to be the Broadway original. Having said that, though. I mean, we don't know. There could have been other factors at play. Like Adrian pointed out, I bet you they locked in Nicole and Meryl first and it was such a scheduling drama to get them in. Then all of a sudden, you know, with some of the other roles, like, well, I don't know. There could have been any reason why they ended up with I'm him. I'm sorry. Broadway is dark. Oh, that's there are so many no, but they shot talented. It before, they shot it before then. When did they shoot it? They only had one... Like, they had two days of shooting once the pandemic started or something like that. I read about that. I still feel like any gay man in his right mind, if presented, would have told the swing of whatever Broadway show he was on, bitch, you're going on tonight. i got some scenes with Meryl and Nicole. I just think any <laughs> other actor could have played that role. Can, oh, no. can, I just, can I just read you a – not my words. I'm just going to read you a review of James Corden's performance. <clears throat> Where do I start? Corden is the distraction that derails every scene he's in. And unluckily for us, he's in many of them. Oh, sorry, that's my alarm. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. Perfect. No, that's perfect. (laughs) Corden's performance here is so embarrassingly cliche and hokey, it almost feels insulting to the audience. Mm. There's no reason that a straight actor couldn't be able to play a gay man, but Corden's turn as flamboyant Broadway star Barry is so insincere that it actively lowers my enjoyment of the film whenever he's on screen, which is unfortunately more than any other character. Okay, well, let's give this girl a prom. Now, the reason I'm so torn is because I don't want to shit on this movie because I loved it in the end. <laughs> okay, well, what a ride. I didn't expect to come out there. I, I, there were aspects of it I really loved. I also want to say that I'm I'm probably not quite – for me, his performance didn't ruin most of the movie. I, I, the only thing I would say is it, it, it's supposed to get very emotional with his character towards the end and I felt nothing, like a flat line. And uh, there are many reasons for that, but I – but I did sort of feel like some of the op- other options that we talked about would have really brought the emotion at the end, and not even necessarily because they're really gay, but just he just he wasn't he wasn't getting there. For me. I just think it lacked that connection of someone who had to come out to their family and be rejected, and most gay men I know had a variation of that experience, and I can't imagine what it must have been like to be Andrew. 
Reynolds or any of the other gay men on set watching someone who's at the top of the food chain, a rich, straight, white man, try and tap into the emotion of revealing your sexuality to your family to be rejected and, and, and kicked out of the family home. Well, I guess if Ryan Murphy picks up the phone and says, do you want to act with Meryl? I don't know. I don't know. And I guess if Ryan Murphy's sanctioning it, I mean, he is such a champion of of authentic casting under normal circumstances. Like, I, mean, I know. So what happened here? Explain to me how the dude who pioneered casting teenagers that look like teenagers. Well, no, and then also, I mean, while so with, you know, trans casting, I mean, yes. everything to do with Pose is a breakthrough. His last Netflix movie was The Boys in the Band, which had a 100% gay, gay male cast. cast. The politician had an incredible trans actor. Well, firstly, I would say, you know, because of all of that, I mean, I, I, I agree that I, I don't think that there should be this sort of hard rule that, I mean, you know, sexuality is fluid and some of the best performances, mm. you know, some straight men have given some, some gay men, sorry, have given some amazing performances as heterosexuals and vice versa. So I, yes. but having said that, I totally concur that there perhaps wasn't the depth of emotional connection here. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. That'll- there could have been other factors. Oh, I don't know. I mean, what does he get cast? Because he's like a very obviously well platformed person who has a talk show and has all this following and makes but these clips go viral. Ask you, mm. Do you know any James Corden fans? I would say weirdly at the very the only person I can ever remember was at the very beginning. You put me onto him when he was doing the what's this driving singing Car- carpool karaoke. karaoke. Yeah, in the very early days, um, mm. and I certainly I myself felt warmth to him from Gavin and Stacey back in the day. Yes, same. Where same. he played but that now- part beautifully. It was tailor made for him, and it's also like often he's popping up in these sort of. Um, relatively meaningless roles that are just sort of so he's there. Like, remember he wasn't. Remember when he was in Ocean's 8? He just popped yeah. up. And then he was in Cats. Remember he was in Cats? Yeah. Oh, see it on my retina. <laughs> I really struggled with him and I feel like I wanted more of the narrative of the of the two young leads. I wanted more from the, the two girls struggling with their sexuality wanting to go to prom together. Every time the young cast came on and did their group dance numbers in the shopping malls, in the in the prom, the promposals was the highlight of the whole movie for me. Do you know the cheerleader, the one whose mother was Kerry Washington, the partner, do you know that was originally Ariana Grande? She had to pull out because her tour conflicted with it. I did know that. And, and I saw some videos of Ariana, I think she sang the songs anyway and I think she's going to put them up. But the girl who replaced her played the bullet in Hamilton, played the lead dancer in Hamilton, the one who turns up everywhere when someone dies in Hamilton. Ah. So she's, she's really up and coming at the yeah. moment. And But I felt like I wanted more from that storyline. And every time we had Nicole, oh, Nicole should never dance. Just- <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say, I Adrian was sitting there clutching a gin watching going, Nicole, she gives it a go, doesn't she? And she does give it a go. But I enjoyed it. I, I, I thought, I don't know, she was having fun. Having said that, though, the, the only sort of slightly unfortunate thing about Nicole was she plays this sort of backup dancer and it's all building towards this big Bob Fosse-esque dance routine. And look, she can flounce her hands a bit in time to the music, but she she's not a Bob Fosse dancer. She does have very long <laughs> legs. And she does, she no. can clearly kick them, but uh, yeah, it would have been, if that had turned into some amazing Bob Fosse dance routine, it would have been a knockout and I don't think she was capable of taking it quite there. Give it some sass. If your courage disappears, what'll get your fears to scurry? 
give it some zazz. All they needed to do was put in a body double. They just, I just wanted them to swap it out. They could have easily done that <laughs> because Bob Fosse girls were legendary and especially the Bob Fosse hand flip click is is iconic and Nicole just couldn't get that quite going and then for some reason she had a Boston accent for about like 10 minutes of the film no Brooklyn Brooklyn she had a hardline coffee I'm gonna be a dancer and then it kind of went and then she had the weird Nicole Kidman transatlantic thing returned and James Corden was southern for a bit and then he was like Californian and Chella's like what's going on with his accent I said remember he's British and she's like oh that makes sense so, <laughs> but I did drunk day drinking washed up showgirl Nicole is it's a nice flavor on her. I agree. I would hang out with her. I felt an affinity to her. I wanted her to stroke my hair. And also, again, she's picked a role that sort of justifies her current facial look. Yeah, I, I did like her character was extremely likable. Yeah, Meryl. Look, Meryl was solid. She was solid. I'll give her a six, seven out of ten. Okay. Oh, we were worryingly close to say. My favourite part of the movie for me, actually, was that they um, cast Keegan-Michael Key. Is that his name? Yes, 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 yes. As, yes. The, as the principal. And I never who, – who was a huge Broadway fan. And, and this dude's about, like, mm, pushing 50. And mm. he was in a romance with Meryl, which I did not see coming. And then once we got into it, I really loved it. And Ryan Murphy yeah. always, always yeah. is someone who's going to, like, fight against any notion that women shouldn't be seen in sexy roles on screen after a certain age. And so I – like, we got, we got him, Passion, mm. Meryl, and I – Really enjoyed it, and also I never really saw him in that sort of role. I never would have imagined him as a Broadway nerd in love with Meryl Streep, but I mm-hmm. thought he played it with a lot of sense. I thought he mustered a lot of sincerity in a yeah, way I that maybe some great. other performance did not. Anyway, <laughs> I enjoyed him and Meryl's love immensely, and it was it was, and that was part of the reason. I'm like, yes, Ryan Murphy, because women disappear from screen and sexuality from about forty to sixty or forty onwards. So it was good. And Meryl has an amazing number. The ladies improving. I thought that, I thought she danced the shit out of that. Mm. I thought she was solid. I, was, I, just, I thought she was definitely the best of the bunch. It's not a short of- movie, as well. We should say. You really That's just why this review has gone for 20 minutes because the movie is 45 minutes too long. It is. I, I, I was going to say half an hour, but there was a certain point where we just were a bit overstimulated and had to take a break and I clicked on us so we had an hour to go and I thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, we stayed to the end. I even cried. Yeah, I, all in all, I thought the strongest scenes didn't involve the main cast that would have cost a bajillion dollars. I thought the strongest scenes were between the two kind of semi-leads, the two girls, and whenever the ensemble cast was on. Oh, there's an amazing kind of show-stopping number called Love Thy Neighbour, which, you know, does kind of simplify the deep, complex problem of American bigotry in, you know, just explaining to people who hate gay people, hey, in the Bible you're not supposed to get divorced or masturbate so you're just the same as gay people and you should all love each other. It did feel a little like it was oversimplifying things. (laughs) But Andrew's character was incredible. You could tell he's got the Broadway chops. It was a full song and dance number with the fountain in a mall with all the teens dancing and all the homophobics all of a sudden becoming – you know, not homophobic anymore because of the dance number. If only life worked like a Broadway musical. So that mm. bit was great. I, on the whole, loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What a ride. 
it made me very happy. It also at times made Same. me very angry. But then Same. I would always come through and Same. in the end my jeans won out and I embraced it for what it was. And yeah. I forgave. I can forgive so much. I forgave the whole they're not Broadway stars. I'm like, oh, yeah, look, Nicole, no, that, made me that hand gesture is really not cutting it. Oh. But look at you. You look like Angie yeah. Dickinson. <laughs> I did enjoy, and also the the very homophobic mother who cancelled the prom and all of that, all of a sudden turning up and sequined Gucci at the end and embracing her lesbian daughter was just like, wow. We really skipped some corners here in the narrative, but sure. Can we just briefly touch on um, the casting? Because this is something that I perpetually confront, casting of gay characters, because obviously in an ideal world – well, I think that, I mean, the main prize is we just want to make sure that if you're an out gay actor, you're getting lots of work because there was a period of time where there, were pressure, there was pressure on actors to either not be out or, you know, or there was this whole theory that, you know, gay, gay men could never play any other roles other than gay men, all that sort of stuff. So we're trying to sort of get beyond that. And, you know, by and large, if, if you've written a gay character and there's a gay performer that can play the role, great, you know. Mm. But one thing that I found over the past year, I've had to um, cast quite a lot of gay characters. Like times are changing and all of a sudden I can write gay characters. But mm. one of the tricky things is also you can't possibly ask actors to declare their sexuality when they're auditioning. I know. And so. The end result is me and you trolling Instagram yes. to try and find <laughs> a hint of homosexuality. It's me going, oh, my God, is that a mesh is that a mesh singer? I can't tell. And what, also, can I just say that hair? there have been times where I have done that and also gotten it wrong. Like there have been, there, there was yeah. one memorable time. This was so <laughs> bad. It just goes to show why I'm completely stepping away from this whole thing. There was one time where I had to cast a gay love interest for an episode of Five Bedrooms and then mm. did it. And I actually said at the read through to another one of the actors, oh, isn't it great? And it's also so great that he's kind of a campy character and it's just, there's the authenticity there because he's gay and the actor's eyes widen and went, what are you talking about? No, he's not. No. <gasps> No, engaged to oh, a woman, you idiot. Oh, God. <laughs> Michael. I know. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. so know, I've learned hard. my lesson on that front. And obviously, all I can do is just cast the best actor for the role. But it is hard. It is hard because, and we've got to hate the institution that has forced gay actors to stay closeted. So, now when you're trying to cast fairly and people who can relate to the experience of the role, you can't. It's just a weird. I feel like the the nail in the coffin of that theory that gay men can't play straight was Fleabag because that priest, that was the best romance we've seen in about a decade and you totally believe the connection between the two of them, like 100%. It was the best chemistry pretty much I've ever seen. And he's gay. Out and gay, 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 gay. Out (laughs) and proud. Prom is on Netflix. Watch it if you dare. Um, Only watch it if you are a huge fan of Broadway musicals. It's not for you. If you don't like people breaking into Ernest's song while halfway through a conversation, it just—it's just not for you. It don't go and wet your teeth on Broadway musicals with this show. Now let's move to something not camp at all. Um, Taylor Swift has <laughs> sur- dropped a surprise album. Very exciting. Evermore. That this pain would be for evermore. Now she only she only dropped Folklore in July. Uh, when we were in the height of pandemic in Lockdown. Australia yeah. and we were wandering around listening to the songs of folklore, just feeling like Swift had peered into our soul. I'm, I was still listening to folklore. 
when this was. I, I listened oh, to it a lot it. recently. You love it. You love I it so really much. love it. And also, I've got. The, I do have this weird thing that once the US election finished, I've stopped listening to as much US podcasts, political podcasts, and I listen to albums. So all these albums like Lizzo and Harry Styles and Taylor, and I love folklore. And for me, I was a bit. I'm still so in love with, it it kind of, the only, I felt like I was a woman that had just had a baby and found out she was pregnant again instantly. And I just didn't know what to do. I mean, obviously that's an experience I know a lot about. That's exactly the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All found out or just delivered one. They said, oh fuck, sorry. We didn't realize you've got twins. There's another one coming. Also the same, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't know that I've got the emotional space forevermore yet. I mean, obviously I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to build the space for it. Oh, I do. I much prefer it to folklore. Interesting. Well, it's a little bit more yeah. for me. It it sort of it, it bridges a bit closer back some of it to Taylor Pop a little bit, a little bit inches that way. Yeah, I I prefer it because it's got teeth. This mm. like I, I also <laughs> love that she's doing character studies, like you know a Bruce Springsteen or a, a great American songwriter style, which she is a great American songwriter. Let's not forget that she is can write a fucking hook, but. The and Shane a lyric, anthems, I would say. Oh, I think oh, yeah. the lyrics are great. Oh, sometimes the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Sure, but she when she's, she's on song, she's on song. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And so when she was doing the Shade albums, where she was basically wrote a whole album to pay out on Katy Perry, I didn't enjoy that version of Taylor. This kind of the exploration of character and in the different stories she's telling. I much prefer her – I think that's her strength. I love her with the loose braid in her hair, not much makeup, wandering around, lost wistfully and amongst beautiful willows and forestry. And that just feels like – I don't know. That's where I imagine Taylor Swift is at all times. Uh, I imagine Taylor Swift wakes up in the meadow. Yeah, I do too. We were a bit spent with the last album, the Lover album. Was it Lover? Lover, yeah, yeah which was the only one last year. where all the video clips. Remember that me video clip and oh the, god, oh god yep. yeah, there was, was just weird. so that much. Was... It was too much. Did just, Ryan Murphy just... direct that by any chance? It did feel like it. All that colour and moving camera, <laughs> the floating cameras. Oh my god, the floating cameras in bloody prom. Um, yeah, no, this is I really like Evermore, and I also love all the Swifties going into meltdown trying to figure out what each song's about. That's probably my second favourite thing about the new album. <laughs> <laughs> they are going bonkers trying to figure out the correlations, you know, because the songs are quite, some of the lyrics are quite confronting. My favourite track on the album is Tis the Damn Season so far. I really fucking love that song. Mm-hmm. So we could call it even, you could call me babe for the weekend. Tis the damn season right this time. I'm staying at my parents' house in the road not taking looks real good. There's a song called Dorothea and some people are saying that it's about her longtime friend Selena Gomez because Dorothea kind of rhymes with Selena if you say it the right way. And the song, the lyrics are, a queen selling dreams, selling makeup and magazines who likes to piss off your mum and her pageant schemes, right? Now, Gomez is a makeup, obviously, queen. She's a former pageant competitor and hates her mum. So... The theory makes sense, but someone else has come out and said that perhaps she's revealed the name, stay with me, of Gigi Hadid and Zayn's baby because, listen, stay with me, Yeah. Gigi just posted a picture of her very pregnant writing August, waiting for our girl to come. And then track <laughs> eight, August is the eighth month, track eight on Evermore is called Dorothea. So people are saying... <laughs> 
ultimately, I don't care. I mean, nah, <laughs> she could have done that or she couldn't have. No, it doesn't make any difference to me. I like the song. I think it's great. I'm so happy for her. I feel like Katy Perry would be watching on going, oh, damn, what's my move? Because Taylor is growing up, which is what we wanted her to do. She's hit her 30s and she's going to become like this rock indie credible. She's not credible, but, you know, she's – She's sliding back into somewhere between country and pop, which is where she belongs. It's where she's happy. It's where she makes sense in the world. But Katie, what's what's Katie going to do? She's had the baby. What's her next reinvention? What's her move? It's like Perry would be watching this intently. Oh, I know. And the last Katy Perry album was a bit confused because it began with that great single, Never Really Over, and mm. she sort of had the hippie child thing happening. Mm. But then she released a whole slew of different songs, just sort of testing the water, not, not many of which connected. But then, but then when the album came out, she was in that clown thing on the front. And it's like, well, you're hippie or you're clown? Let's get our themes connected. See, t- Taylor, she's got, if she's doing oh, mystical mate. Taylor in the woods, she will commit to that so hard. Hundo you will be P. in no doubt. It'll be the she's sound. It'll be the look. It'll be everything. She's in fucking, she's in distressed lumberjack chic, you know. She's, she could have just been chopping, she's Little House on the Prairie modern day 2020. Like when that bitch themes it, she themes it. Don't cross-pollinate themes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't do that. Beyonce's sitting back, Madonna's sitting back, the pioneer of the themes going, oh, fucking hell, Katie, what is it? <laughs> and also the thing that got me most about Katy Perry's last album is that bitch worked till she was 42 weeks pregnant. Oh, no. Do you know, I, I didn't understand the incessant working. Like, has Katy Perry got bills to pay still? No, I think it's just this uh, terror of, of not maintaining, you know, the, the heights of success. I mean, the hard thing about Katy Perry was that Teenage Dream album was such a mega hit. Like, you know, it was like Michael Jackson's bad in terms of the number of number ones. And everything she does is compared to that, to that level. I mean, you could say the same about Taylor in 1989. But you can't just keep trying to claw it back. You've got to you've, you've, no. you've got to move forward. Move on. I need Katie to go away for a year. She needs to edge here in it. She's go away for a year. I want her to go and just think about things, think about her themes and get them straight in her head before she comes out again. Oh, and we'll pass that on to her. Thanks, Em. <laughs> so, yeah, we, I, I love Evermore. I think it's great, worth a listen. Finally, something I didn't watch because I think I was jealous. I don't know. Delta Goodrum had a Christmas special on Saturday night. Of course I watched it. Okay, well, what's your review? Oh, I pretty much delivered everything that I was looking for. I mean, mm. it, there was a slightly strange atmosphere in some bits because she was performing with a lot of people who were overseas and clearly they had to be pre-records because she couldn't do a live. Cross. So mm. Kylie sang uh, When You Wish Upon a Star with Delta. I mean, every gay man obviously, I mean, couldn't get any gayer. <laughs> a Disney classic. <laughs> Sung by Kylie at Delta. Please welcome Kylie Minogue. Hi Kylie, thank you so much for doing this. Hi Delta, hi everyone. Merry Christmas. I'm so, so excited to be here with you tonight. You wish upon a star Your dreams Kelly Rowland apparently popped in to sing the last song, but let's just say uh, <laughs> she was basically there on the satellite at the back of stage and I could never hear her voice one single time. So I, I question, I question her contribution. It was, I don't know, Delta's got a Christmas single, something about Santa. I can't remember what it is. It was basically Delta wandering around being perhaps a little 
overexcited, but singing beautifully, playing beautifully, bringing people out who generally weren't quite as good singers as um, she was, which I appreciated, except for Montaigne, who seemed to match who her. Who are you referring to? Who do you? He was not as good as her. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't think I'll necessarily be drawn on that. I would say most people were quite, you know, up to the Delta standard. (laughs) So I won't read out the text message you sent me then. (laughs) And she also gives away holidays. What? Yeah, it was sponsored by Tourism Australia. So you get a lot of um, Hamish Blake and Zoe Foster Blake and they'll be giving away holidays. And and there's also – but seriously, it also included, for me perhaps, the most surreal moment – on Australian television this year. It was very, very brief, but I'm still not quite sure what happened, which yeah. is we're, we're coming up to Santa Claus is coming to town and all of a sudden we're hearing the bells and everything. Santa's coming. She's looking out to the um, socially distanced crowd going, Santa, where is he? Where is he? Cuts to the balcony of the um, Sydney Opera House and there's mm. Santa and everyone cheers, cheers, cheers. Santa pulls off his beard and it's Richard Wilkins. So already that's weird, but then what makes it even weirder was then we cut to the what? audience. How have we got forty-five minutes into this podcast and you've just pulled that out now? I know. Stop but I'm it. This is the weirdest thing. Then we go to the audience, and then it cuts to Richard Wilkins, not as Santa, with his children or some children, pointing, presumably at himself. And then we move on. No explanation of what just happened. So all of a sudden, what? the Delta Christmas special takes place in a parallel universe where there are two Richard Wilkins, one of which what? is Santa and happy to reveal himself as such, and the other which uh, the other of which is watching Richard Wilkins as Santa. So can you pl- can you please let me get out the title of it today's episode? <laughs> Sticky Dicky is Saint Nicky. <laughs> How's it taken so long? Thank you. Anyway. Are you, can we break that down for a moment? I mean, it was so what? surreal. I'm almost of, of a mind to go back to nine now. It's a moment. Santa's coming. Santa's what? coming. Delta's sort of saying cheerfully. We see Santa on the balcony, uh, just like any normal moment at Carol's by Candlelight. So that seems normal. What doesn't seem normal is that then Santa takes off his beard and it's Richard Wilkins, who we've already seen in the special giving away holidays. And then, and then, so that's already spun out. Like, why is he revealing himself as Richard Wilkins? Why is Richard Wilkins not maintaining the integrity of Santa? But then, to add another layer of absolute, we're just in some sort of surreal dreamscape, then cut to Richard Wilkins in the audience pointing at himself. It, weird. I can't explain it. I will go back on Nine now and film it, and so we can all have the visual evidence and try and unpack what's happening. Because we'll need to put it on the socials. But can I just remind everyone that Richard Wilkins is, is the key to solving the coronavirus riddle. He was patient zero and he he kept – he got it twice. He had like multiple tests. He was he, – he had coronavirus for like a month. He kept testing positive when he was fine. And I'm like, guys, are we harvesting Richard Wilkins' blood? Because I think that's the answer. I think we just need to make – I think it's the answer to a lot of things. How that man – has he has lived a rock star life? I think it's the, is a polite way of saying it. He's almost like pickled himself. He's like got that. What's the guy from the Rolling Stones who snorted his dad's ashes? Keith Richards. Keith Richards. Got, yes. Got that vibe. Or Iggy of un- Pop. Yeah, just just like we'll live to be a thousand. Yeah. And I feel like medical science has overlooked the Richard Wilkins factor. I think we need to go and find out what makes that man tick and inject. He's done it. I'm not going to make that injecting joke. Um, <laughs> then anyway, he's done a good job. Well, there we go. Doing that was that. the high <laughs> point. Other than that, lovely singing, lovely frocks. Well done, Delta. I want a Christmas special. I, I want you to I have just, one too. I just. 
We tried. We we pitched one. None of the networks would kind of bite, but I just really want a Christmas special. I feel like it's time. Just give me the money and see what I can do. It will be so, so, so much better than prom. (laughs) (laughs) And every gay person on stage will absolutely be gay. Don't you worry about that. (laughs) And if they're not, they will be. (laughs) Well, on that note... I'm exhausted. Jesus Christ. It's our second last episode and we've really gone oh, hard. Oh, no, for a lot you. of content. A lot of content. All right, well, you go off and I will. Uh, I'll enjoy the rest of my beach holiday. <sighs> Shut up. All right, okay, okay. All right, talk Bye. later. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, gang. Thank you so much for listening. I've calmed down now. I've calmed down from my rant of prom. Are you going to watch it? I want you to watch it now. <laughs> All right, we'll chat on Thursday for our last show for 2020. My gosh, we did it. You guys, we did it. I'm very proud of you. Very proud of me. I haven't even told you about some things. Oh, my God, we've got to have a talk. Remind me to tell you about the meltdown I had at my family while we were on holidays. Remind me. I'll tell you on Thursday, but you're going to love it. She's going to love it. It was just eight months in the making. You know how I've been talking a lot on here about, um, you know, feeling like you've kept everyone going through this hard year, but they haven't really maybe acknowledged you. Well, I made sure my family knew all the things I'd done in explicit detail. All right. Odie's rescued a bird. Are you all right? Take him to higher ground. A bird flew into a window and got stunned and Odie, because, you know, she is the bird whisperer, has picked it up and she's now carrying it around. You're a good woman, Odie. I I think it's winded. It's a winded bird, guys. Oh, my dad got a hole-in-one as well. God, this exit is going everywhere. Vincey got a hole-in-one. It's pretty exciting. Um, If I can get him to, I'll get him to record the story and we'll put that in Thursday as well. (laughs) All right, I'm going. Bye, darlings.